one degree Celsius at the moment, relative humidity of 73%. Typhoon number one signal is up and the very hot weather warning is in force. And that was the news at nine from RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Jim Gould and your guest presenter today is Rainbow Learn. Good morning, Rainbow. Good morning, Jim. On this morning's programme, we're talking about the development and application of robotics. The Chinese university held an open day yesterday to showcase its work in the field as Hong Kong seeks to continue strengthening its research and development capabilities in automation and acting as a gateway for local and international robotics firms aiming to enter the mainland market. From healthcare to F&B, construction to fintech, robots have become an integral part of our lives. And the trend is certain to continue. We'll be hearing about uh, some of Hong Kong's latest innovations in robotics and where artificial intelligence also features. After 9.45, we'll have more on a US congressional hearing on unidentified anomalous phenomena, more commonly known as UFOs. Let us know what you think. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. Email us at backchat at rthk dot, sorry, at rthk dot hk. Or why not give us a call? Pick up the phone. We're on 233-88-266. And joining us... Joining us uh, on the line, uh, we have uh, Liu Yonhui, who's a professor of mechanical and automation engineering at the Department of Computer Science and Engineering. That's at the Chinese University of Hong Kong and is also a director of the Hong Kong Center for Logistics Robotics. And also on the line, uh, Emil Chan, chairman of the Association of Cloud and Mobile Computing Professionals uh, and associate professor at the City University. Um, good morning to you both. Uh, uh, Professor Liu, perhaps uh, we could start with you. Um, there's, oh, good morning. Uh, good, good morning. There's a great deal of focus uh, on this uh, area of robotics and robotics development. A, a lot of uh, support from the government, of course. Um, um, at what stage is Hong Kong in terms of developing this technology now? Yeah, I, I, actually, I think Hong Kong has a, uh, uh, a good position in developing robotic te technology. Uh, you know, Hong Kong has uh, very uh, have one basic university in Hong Kong, so we have a basic corner, and actually we are needing uh, in several topics in robotics and AI, and also we have uh, a pool of talent, including the so excellent PhD students. You know, the graduate students of local university are, are among the best, and. Uh, most importantly, okay, in recent, in recent year, years, the government put a lot of resources in boosting the innovation and technology development. Yeah. So just to give a lot of opportunity to develop advanced robotics and AI. Mm -hmm. In what areas would you say we're leading now? Uh, like in our surgical robotics, and also we were leading, say, uh, applied robotic technology to uh, real industry. So in terms of technology transfer uh, from university to the industry, actually Hong Kong is doing quite well. Mm. On the global stage, there are many key countries that are major players in this field, like the US and Japan. Um, yes. How do we 
compare so far? Because, we, I mean, from what I understand, but perhaps correct me if I'm wrong, uh, you know, we've come pretty late to the game. Would, would you agree with that? And, and, and if so, are we play, playing a game of catch-up? Uh, yes, they, you know, uh, need to be late compared to Japan and the uh, U.S. You know, because uh, uh, Japan, Japan has developed an uh, industry robot for many, many years. So they are leading in those, uh, uh, say, industry robots. And also, uh, like the U.S., they, they are leading uh, some, like, uh, uh, applying robots in, in, say, uh, surgery and other aspects of but, uh, you know, in Hong Kong, you know, we actually lasted uh, 20 years. So we have attracted a lot of good scholars uh, in robotics to Hong Kong. So they're actually uh, the fundamental research are not too uh, late com- compared to uh, the U.S. and Japan. But the important thing is that we have good technology, so we we. We haven't got a sufficient support to transform this technology to industry, but in recent years, the government has really put a lot of resources to help us to transform technology. Actually, in the last few years, for CUSK, we do, uh, in the, you know, for a number of companies, some of, uh, of them are very successful, like, uh, you know, we are uh, leading in uh, developing like uh, uh, self-driving uh, industrial vehicles for industrial application. We have, like, uh, one, our staff has uh, deployed a lot of, like, uh, uh, forklift vehicles in, uh, in the world. We are living in, in many, many, uh, say, in, uh, we're in many, uh, many, many areas in something. Okay, we still be able to catch up. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, um, uh, okay, uh, Emil Chan, good morning to you. Yes, good morning. Good morning. Uh, thanks very much uh, for joining us. Uh, um, it would seem, from what a lot of people are, are saying, uh, owing to uh, a labour shortage in many areas, that uh, uh, this robotics uh, technology is, is quite urgently needed. I mean, uh, like in construction, for instance. Um, yeah. how, do, how do you see it? Yeah, particularly. Uh, yes. so, so, sorry, uh, Professor, uh, Professor Chan, Emil Chan, first, please. Oh, okay, yeah, thank on. you. Yeah. Uh, good morning, Professor. Yeah. Uh, so uh, this is Andrew Chen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I'm from the financial industry, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, since I'm, I was uh, the uh, the advisor to the uh, electrical department of CDU for mm-hmm. two times. Mm-hmm. So I understand that you know there are a lot of uh, development and requirement, uh, particularly on the construction industry. Uh, the first thing is that uh, the, the the safety. Uh, so Hong Kong, because uh, uh, we do not have a lot in uh, uh, this uh, factory, so we are not quite particular strong uh, in the industrial uh, robotics because uh, we, we we have no local um, uh, usability. But uh, in terms of uh, uh, the the other area, so surface robots and the uh, uh, particular those are on on safety measure. So we are quite strong and quite advanced. So on signaling, on the IoT, you know, all of this. So uh, uh, back to your questions, uh, the shortage of labor. Uh, I have to say uh, we cannot replace human. Uh, it's unlike what we see uh, on the uh, movie, that uh, we can build some uh, robots to replace uh, the work that we are uh, doing 
are already uh, in the uh, in the construction site. So the, I don't believe that uh, robotic in the next uh, few years time can replace human being uh, on the construction site. Hmm. But uh, there are a lot of areas uh, that, uh, well, for example, the the safety uh, officer uh, like the uh, the other uh, checking. Uh, or measure, uh, measurement or the quality of work, I do believe that uh, in uh, due to the shortage of uh, these uh, skilled worker, uh, the replacement uh, will be uh, very fast. Mm-hmm. I see. So you're saying that robotics can help, can, won't replace um, people, but they can certainly plug specific um, gaps that we have. Yes. Um, yes. Specifically, uh, like you said, on safety. And for dangerous things, I suppose. I mean, I read somewhere um, that, um, you know, there are construction robots where they build um, a 40-storey building in, like, 10 months. And, yes. and I was pretty amazed, but, but I thought that can't be building everything. It, it surely must be building specific, you know, it, it's, it's attending to certain tasks. Right. The whole process are different. So rather than building, you know, at the moment we built that uh, uh, site uh, using human with uh, these uh, local uh, construction. You know, uh, actually they are pre-constructed. You know, for the way uh, that if you have to uh, make good use of robots, uh, they are pre-constructed. You know, uh, off-site and then ship those. Uh, you know, like Lego, uh, uh-huh. the way we build. You know, in uh, into the site. So it will be much faster, but the whole process will be different and the skill set uh, will be quite different. So if we have to uh, upgrade uh, or, or uh, engage uh, robotic on construction, the whole process, particularly uh, the, uh, the policies, uh, the, you know, everything has to be uh, adjusted. Uh, I'll, put you, uh, I'll give you one, a good example. Uh, I agree with the professor that Hong Kong is quite advanced, you know, particularly on the R&D uh, area. Don't you know that? I think a lot of people know that uh, DJI, the drone company, which is uh, the largest uh, uh, in the world, yeah. <clears throat> uh, uh, technically is a, uh, actually is a Hong Kong company. But mm. due to the policy, due to you know, uh, Hong Kong government did not understand uh, well about the potential of these uh, 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 robotic uh, 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 products, then uh, uh, they have no choice but uh, set their foot uh, in Shenzhen. So uh, on the other areas, you know, Hong Kong also uh, on the R&D uh, uh, arena, they are quite advanced. Unfortunately, uh, due to the uh, the ecosystem is not there, uh, the policies are not ready, uh, we are missing a lot of chances. So uh, for those successful projects, they are usually in the Greater Bay Area uh, and the rest uh, uh, of uh, Southeast Asia. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, um, Professor Liu, um, do you have any uh, insight on that and the way um, uh, robots uh, can be of use in the construction industry? I mean, w- what Rainbow was referring to just then was a, a report about uh, when a group of our, our legislators went to a, a visit uh, to the GBA in April. They visited a, a robotics company, yeah, which apparently uh, uh, can produce robots which can build a, a 40-storey building in about 300 days or something like that, yeah. Um, um, yeah, um, how, yeah. Does, how does that process actually work? 
Yes, actually, construction uh, area uh, has a great, great potential to apply uh, robotic technology, but the you know construction work is very challenging. Uh, as you know, the Hong Kong uh, construction industry has put a lot of effort to mm. introducing the modular construction, as Dr. Chang mentioned. You know. Uh, they build also construction block in, in factory and then assembling them on site. So actually in this process, uh, robot can help. Uh, first, you can have uh, like construction building block in factory, which is uh, similar to industrial robot. And, and, but another challenge is how to, you know, assemble them together, this block, you know. You have to do logistics, you have to do trans- transportation, you have to put them together and fix them together. Uh, but those tasks is much more challenging for human work. So um, I, I think Hong Kong ha- has potential to develop those robotic technology for this particular area. In terms of uh, like uh, legislation and so on, I think now uh, actually Hong Kong, they have uh, implement a lot of uh, like modular construction, you know, you know mm. like uh, use the public housing. Yes. Uh, they are, they are do uh, mm. use the modular construction for mm. the hospital. You know, I know the China construction uh, company. They are really use uh, adopt a modular approach. That we we have some collaboration with them. Oh, so we've so, started mm, using yeah. it in Hong Kong. Yes. Oh. Yes, we do. Mm. Wow. We do. We have a lot of uh, modular construction in Hong mm. Kong. But I say if you you imagine about a building like a forty-story building within a few days, uh, there could be challenges in, in some structure strength and safety. Uh, those technology uh, are not mature. I, I personally think. Yeah. Mm. Oh, okay, uh, um, Dr. Chan, like you say, you're from the uh, finance sector. Um, uh, robotics is often uh, mentioned in the same context as uh, as fintech. Uh, um, how does that work? Well, uh, the banking industry used uh, robotic uh, many years ago. You know, the auto mm. teller machine actually was a robot yeah. replacing uh, the, the tellers or a job, right? right? And not only uh, replacing because they extending their service hours. So, mm-hmm. so uh, adoption of uh, automation uh, in the banking industry uh, has a long history. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might not aware that uh, more than 10 years ago uh, in uh, New York, in London, uh, there are not many uh, human traders. So those are in the dealing room, you know, they buy and sell um, uh, currencies. Uh, they are all, nearly all robots at the moment. Uh, in the other financial centers. Unfortunately, in Hong Kong, uh, we did not transform as fast uh, as uh, these uh, 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 competitors. So uh, we are still using uh, technically human beings to place the order. Uh, so um, on, uh, on one, we talked about industrial uh, robotics uh, early mm-hmm. on, mm-hmm. and now uh, there are Another set of robotic, uh, or, uh, in layman term, is that uh, they are software robots, right. and they are right. already there for a long time. Uh, since they are there, like uh, uh, the uh, algo tray, uh, say uh, the uh, in the securities uh, uh, market, they are engaging 
uh, robots to place the order. Mm. But uh, you might not uh, understand that uh, we cannot replace all human uh, factor. So in order to make uh, those machines work properly, we have to uh, invest a lot of uh, human resources on the programming side. Mm. So we have to transform the, uh, the skill set uh, mm. from uh, the trading floor to the uh, technology uh, development. So uh, robots, uh, on the surface, you might uh, find that they're replacing uh, human uh, workforce. But on the other hand, they are creating different types of uh, uh, work. And then uh, what we have to do is to uh, upskill ourselves. Uh, otherwise, uh, 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 like uh, what we just introduced, uh, the e-tech, uh, those uh, the toll fee collector uh, for the tunnels, uh, they are losing their job. Mm. But uh, since there are uh, auto automation on the collecting uh, the toll fee, and there are other automate uh, uh, opportunities, you know, for those workforce. Uh, for example, you know, trying to help uh, the uh, the owner of the vehicles uh, to adopt to these uh, uh, new way of payment, or help them to open the account, or so on. So we have to think it uh, openly and uh, uh, rather than just focusing uh, on the traditional uh, physical robots. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, again, um, just staying with the banking sector for a moment, uh, I mean, there's quite a lot of controversy in certain places where uh, uh, a lot of banks are, are closing their high street branches, uh, everything is going uh, automated, and yet there's an mm -hmm. argument that uh, uh, banks actually um, fulfill a, a public service. People, can, you know, mm -hmm. especially elderly people, can go there and, and do, do their banking business. What are your, what mm -hmm. are your thoughts about that? Wow. Uh, it is, uh, I think, uh, it's two sides. Uh, on one hand, if we just close down the branches without teaching or educate, uh, provide uh, adequate education to the elderly people, which is uh, 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 false, which is wrong. But uh, like uh, put the case in uh, Greater Bay Area, uh, there is no such a complaint. Uh, even though uh, the, the, the number of branches are, are shrinking in uh, Shenzhen, for example, uh, since the day-to-day -day life for the elderly people in Shenzhen, uh, they are already quite digital. So uh, particularly during the COVID, uh, there are uh, some uh, uh, service uh, or, or, or NGO uh, to help those elderly people. They teach them, they, uh, they train them, uh, to use uh, the digital payment platform, uh, you know, uh, properly. So uh, I do believe that uh, we cannot just uh, live in the world that we are still using cash, using checks, uh, and uh, opening and uh, closing our account uh, by queuing up uh, uh, at the at the at uh, the branches. So um, on one hand, uh, we have to. Uh, help the minorities uh, to uh, let them to use uh, those uh, services uh, uh, in an easier manner. But I have to say, uh, 10 years ago, it is quite hard to use uh, the digital banking because uh, they have to use uh, a, a PC, they have to use uh, the token or whatever to lock in. And today, they just use the, their fingerprint. And with the help uh, of the uh, uh, mobile phone, I think elderly people uh, I don't think the Hong Kong elderly people, they, uh, 
they are, are not as smart uh, as uh, those elderly people in uh, mainland China. So the, what we have to do is, uh, uh, on this hand, we upgrade, uh, upskill them. On the other hand, we, uh, I always uh, uh, have an opinion about the user interface and the user experience of the Hong Kong, uh, 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 how do you say, the electronic uh, uh, media or the uh, service provider. They are not as easy uh, as uh, those are provided by the rest of the world. For some reason, uh, we are uh, a early adopter of uh, electronic channels. Unfortunately, those uh, old design has, uh, hasn't been uh, transformed to the latest one, which is uh, uh, particularly uh, designed for mobile phone. So as a result, uh, it's quite uh, not... Uh, uh, user-friendly as uh, the rest of the world. So uh, I, I'm urging uh, the government, uh, the sizable companies, uh, they are transforming uh, their uh, electronic uh, platform. So with these two uh, exercises, I do believe that there, there, there won't be any uh, problem, yeah, major problems. Okay, uh, I'm just um, talking about the uh, application of robotics. Uh, uh, Professor Liu, um, um, I was reading, uh, well, uh, an item in today's Oriental Daily about uh, uh, trouble being faced uh, by the F&B uh, industry, that restaurants and bars are still struggling, partly because of uh, uh, manpower shortage. Uh, um, and then we also read about uh, uh, robotic chefs, robots in the kitchen and ro robotic walks. I mean, um, um, do you think think that the application of this technology uh, can like, come to the rescue of the F&B industry? Uh, yes, uh, I, I believe that there are not a potential application for robots and the AI. You know, so far, the manufacturing sector has benefited a lot from use of robots. Uh, but in recent years, the robots are moving out from factory. Uh, you know, you mentioned about the helping humans in say, like a restaurant, uh, but in particular, like uh, in a hospital, you know, in, they are helping surgeons to perform surgical procedure, and also help uh, those nurses uh, whatever to to help the surgeon in the rehabilitation. Um, yeah, there are not a potential uh, like uh, you mentioned earlier, like constructing industry and the logistics industry. Like in Hong Kong, we are sort of uh, those manpowers, uh, you know, and also that the, like uh, the uh, salary of those construction work are very high. So um, yeah, use a robot to replace uh, uh, those uh, like construction work and just work construction reduce uh, the operation cost. Not only the operation cost, it also improve the efficiency and also improving the safety and so on. Um, I, for the service part, I, I do believe that uh, one day the robot will come to our house to um, to do household work. Okay. Currently, <laughs> we, ha we, we have some like uh, cleaner robot, but uh, the the capability is not sufficient. So it's my personal uh, prediction or wish that uh, in about 20 years or so, uh, maybe each room can have a robot assistant, like a cost, at a cost that runs uh, like a 50,000 US dollar. So I, I believe that maybe this will be uh, come true uh, 
Thank you. Okay, that's that, that's that's really uh, that's really interesting. Uh, um, yeah, perhaps uh, we can spend a, a little bit more in the program as well, uh, uh, looking ahead. Uh, we've got to take a short break, but uh, uh, for for the news summary, um, and we'll come back after that. Uh, we have to say thank you now to uh, Liu Yunhui because I know you have to leave us at nine thirty. Uh, Professor of Mechanical Automation Engineering at the Department of Computer Science and Engineering, and that's at the Chinese University, and is also a director of the Hong Kong Center for Logistics uh, Robotics. Uh, uh, Emil Chan, I hope, is going to stay with us for a little longer. We'll be joined uh, uh, by another guest as well um, when we come back um, after the uh, news. Uh, just a quick look at the weather. Um, sunny periods, but also isolated showers and thunderstorms. Um, very hot again today. Top temperature around 34 degrees in the urban areas. Uh, the outlook, uh, occasional showers <clears throat> and thunderstorms tomorrow. Showers will be heavier at first. <clears throat> Excuse me. The weather will be brighter with a few showers uh, early to midweek next week. It's currently 31 degrees, humidity 72%, the very hot weather warning is in effect and the standby signal number one is in effect. New summary with Stu Pryke. In the past year, our the government says it plans legal changes to make it easier to detain psychiatric patients with violent tendencies. Officials want to extend mandatory detention orders to people who are admitted to hospitals voluntarily and who are found to have a criminal record for violence. It will also apply to those who behave violently in hospital. The Hong Kong Federation of Youth Groups says it's seeking to empower youth through a new healthcare approach called social prescribing. This approach prescribes social activities and interactions to address underlying health issues such as loneliness and a lack of social support rather than medication. The head of the United Nations has warned that the planet is entering an era of global boiling. Antonio Guterres was speaking after the UN released data showing that this month is virtually certain to be the hottest ever recorded. And we'll have more news for you here on RTHK at 10 o'clock. In the past year, our current term government team have been result-oriented. We have led Hong Kong to break new ground and open a new chapter. We strive to enhance governance, work pragmatically and unite different sectors, enabling Hong Kong to ride out the pandemic, resume normalcy and shine again on the international stage. We implement patriots administering Hong Kong, enhance interactions between the executive and the legislature, improve district administration and jointly maintain social harmony and stability. We pursue economic growth, find new land and create strong impetus for development. We tell the world good stories of Hong Kong and spare no effort in attracting enterprises and talent. We care about livelihoods and earnestly address issues like housing, environment and transportation. We nurture our youth. Hong Kong will proactively integrate into national development, consolidate its position as an international city and make steady strides towards a brighter future. You're listening to Backchat. Call us on 233-88-266 and have your say. And welcome back to Backchat with Rainbow Learn and me, Jim Gould. Uh, if you want to uh, leave a message on our Facebook page, uh, feel free. Uh, the uh, address is Backchat on RTHK Radio 3 or you can email us at backchat at rthk.hk. 
And uh, in our main topic this morning, we're talking about the development of robotics in Hong Kong. Uh, we have uh, with us uh, Dr. Emil Chan, who's chairman of the Association of Cloud and Mobile Computing Professionals and an associate professor at the City University. And joining us now also, we have uh, Dr. Ming Ge, who's a general manager for robotics and artificial intelligence uh, division at the Hong Kong Productivity Council. Um, Dr. Ge, good morning to you. Good morning. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, so earlier we were talking about the application of robotics in various sectors, including uh, construction, uh, logistics, uh, F&B. Um, I mean, it's also becoming increasingly important in areas such as uh, healthcare, isn't it? Uh, um, how do you think, what, what, what sectors do you think are going to benefit most or develop most going forward as a result of this? Yes, um there are three sectors uh, which come to my mind. Hong Kong is facing the aging population's issue. At the same time, it is uh, dedicated to developing high-quality life and health technologies according to the Hong Kong uh, INT Development Blueprint. Therefore, one of the sectors that benefits most from the robotics development is life and health. In fact, some IND teams uh, are, doing, uh, are developing the medical uh, surgery robots, for example, COHK and the two centers of Inno Hong Kong, uh, multi-skilled medical robot center and the center for AI and robotics of Chinese Academy of Science. This IND team have already had very exciting uh, achievements. Another sector is logistics and transportation. As Hong Kong is an important international logistics hub, the market needs various robots with different functions to ensure uh, materials handling in highly efficient operation. The third sector is the inspection and maintenance. Hong Kong has world-leading infrastructure and public service to keep up with the premium quality and safety, inspection robot is crucial. For instance, for example, uh, to inspect uh, the sky uh, scripts, uh, infrastructure, railways, power stations. In fact, our Hong Kong Products Council has developed the first online tunnel quality intelligence inspection robot in the world. Mm -hmm. The invention is breakthrough for construction industry, enabling a user to carry out inspection more easily, efficiently, and safely. Moreover, we developed the first AI-powered uh, toilet cleaning uh, robot for public in the world. We also developed several robots with different functions for MTR to enhance their service quality, efficiency, and safety. Mm. I, I'm intrigued by what you mentioned about the um, um, robotics in the medical sector. Where, what kind of surgeries are you seeing? In, uh, are you seeing this in? I've, I've heard that they're helping with heart surgery um, and brain surgery. Okay, so, uh, uh, surgery. Yes, uh, for example, uh, 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 for CUHK. Uh, they development the uh, surge, surgery robot for uh, we call it uh, play play role. Uh, 
uh, cavity. You know, uh, because the human being has different cavity, and for uh, the uh, uh, the the center for AI and robotics of China, Chinese uh, Academy of Science, they development surgery robot for uh, called uh, uh, Carity. So they they have a different robot uh, can uh, can can execute execute different uh, surgery. Mm. We've already uh, seen uh, robots becoming more and more of a common sight, uh, like uh, like cleaning robots in shopping malls and so on. Mm. Um, uh, before the break, uh, uh, Professor Liu was talking about uh, a time when he expected that uh, robots would come to our homes to do uh, the housework and so on. Uh, um, wh wh what do you think will be the future development there? Do you, I mean, do you think it's likely that like every household will will have its own uh, robot or? Okay, uh, from my point of view, Hong Kong is still a blue ocean market for the ro uh, robotics in, uh, industry. Mm. Uh, it doesn't have many uh, players uh, in robotics technology transformation and industrialization, especially the manufacturing in Hong Kong. You know, Hong Kong has uh, has been uh, just as Professor Liu just said. Hong Kong has been uh, importing uh, several service robots for being utilized. Uh, utilized uh, locally. During the COVID-19 pandemic, several kinds of service robots were brought from the mainland China to run in restaurants and uh, uh, disinfection in hospitals, uh, uh, hotels, and in public. It is the first time for Hong Kong citizens to see the robots working in daily life. At present, more and more robots are coming. For example, cleaning robot customer service robot, education robot, etc. However, few local brands has ever been uh, developed successfully so far. So for Hong Kong market, from my point of view, that there uh, uh, is much room for local advancement in design and the development of high-end robots for industry and community, such as advanced mech uh, medical and healthcare robot, aging assistance robot, logistics robot, construction robot, and inspection robot. Uh, from your address to your question, life and health technology, artificial intelligence, and daily uh, and the data science, advanced manufacturing, and the new energy are four strategic new technology industry proposed by the Hong Kong. Innovation and the technology uh, development blueprint. Mm. All these scenarios where robots, robotics plays uh, an important role. Therefore, robotics industry will have a great development opportunities in Hong Kong. Mm. Okay, sorry, go, uh, go ahead. Uh, I know that robotics and AR are two very different disciplines, but combined, the the you know the possibilities are endless seemingly so so i'm just wondering uh, in hong kong specifically how is ai transforming the innovation of robotic projects that, that are currently ongoing do, do you know now, um, from my point of view uh, robotics and ai are uh, intertwined and indivisible uh, 30 years ago, when I was studying in university, we thought AI uh, uh, as a sub 
research topic and robotics. Nowadays, people regard robots as uh, a part of AI. And uh, for uh, robotics leads uh, intelligence for sensing, uh, cognition, mm -hmm. analysis, and self-decision-making, uh, while AI leads uh, robotics to fulfill physical execution and AI, of AI algorithm. So robotics is a conveyor of AI to benefit human beings, and AI will empower robots. Mm. Uh, autonomous vehicle is a typical example. It represents uh, the wonderful uh, merging of AI and robotics. So when we are uh, development, uh, or we, we will uh, train up the talents uh, for uh, 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 robots or engineering, uh, AI is very important. So we can combine AI and robotics together mm. as a, a course. Mm. So uh, one course to give the training to the young, young generation. Okay, uh, Emil Chan, what are your thoughts about that the combination of robotics and AI? Well, it's somewhat like uh, a human brain and their limbs. Mm -hmm. So uh, robotics are the, you know, the body, and uh, we have to have an intelligent you know, side to drive those, uh, uh, the, the body to move uh, properly. So uh, uh, back to uh, the FinTech point of view, uh, say, uh, for the Inno Hong Kong project, uh, I'm working closely with uh, 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 City University, mm -hmm. a lab called uh, AI FinTech Lab. Uh, you know, to help, uh, one of the uh, latest projects is to help Bank of China to grant their loan to SME properly. Uh, because uh, uh, the SME in Hong Kong, they cannot provide uh, uh, enough data for the uh, creditor to understand their financial situation. So uh, they are using, uh, for example, uh, Amazon. You know, if they are doing uh, uh, e-commerce, so uh, the, the robot can... Uh, analyze their you know their customers you know and uh, all sort of uh, uh, alternate uh, alternative data that uh, to rebuild the picture so that uh, Bank of China can understand you know their financial status and uh, their business uh, potential uh, to regenerate the credit rating so a uh, robot can be everywhere I, I do believe that the, uh, back to what I uh, 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 described about the situation Hong Kong is quite advanced, uh, so advanced that uh, uh, we are too advanced uh, than, uh, than the uh, policies than the, the, the government can expect in the, in the past. But uh, in the past few years, the situation changed a lot. Hmm. Uh, and uh, as you know, we have the Web3 campaign, you know, yeah. uh, the scene executive uh, from the Hong Kong government uh, and uh, a lot of uh, uh, leading companies, they, they stand up and are saying that they are backing up uh, blockchain, uh, digital asset trading. So they will generate a lot of data and so that uh, with the help of these data, the AI engine can learn, you know, uh, from, uh, you know, out of the behavioral uh, uh, information, out of the whatever log uh, logistics information to understand what actually is happening. And they, they will be uh, quite intelligent. And so that they can not only uh, do uh, credit rating, but also health, uh, transportation, and, and so on, uh, improvement. So I personally is the uh, uh, FinTech uh, Committee of the Smart City Consortium in Hong Kong. So uh, from time to time, we deal with this kind of a policy uh, enhancing projects. 
So I, I do believe that in the upcom- upcoming years, you know, the government will uh, move much faster than, you know, before. Mm. And uh, the robotic adoption uh, will be uh, more uh, prominent. Sure. I mean, we're living in a time of uh, fast-developing technology. Uh, um, How do you think uh, the world, uh, Hong Kong, is going to look in 10 years' time, say? (laughs) Well, the the, the situation is that uh, we were uh, lacking behind. Uh, But uh, with the help of uh, GBA, you know, that initiative, Hong Kong will uh, work much closer with uh, China, particularly Shenzhen, because it's just next door, and uh, we have the, a lot of uh, new uh, new cities uh, building adjacent to Shenzhen. So, uh, in terms of transportation, in terms of uh, uh, payments, in terms of uh, uh, the new labor uh, force that we have to share with Shenzhen, so I do believe that uh, the adoption of the robotics in Hong Kong. Uh, will uh, catch up the pace, and uh, I do hope that uh, in the short uh, period of time, uh, with our R&D strength, uh, that uh, we can uh, again, once again, uh, take the lead uh, in the next uh, few years. Okay, great. Well, thank you very much uh, to, uh, to both of you for uh, sharing your insights with us uh, on this morning's uh, programme. Uh, that was Dr. Emil Chan, uh, Chairman of the Association of Cloud and Mobile Computing Professionals and Associate Professor at the City University. And thanks very much to Dr. Ming Ge, General Manager, uh, Robotics and Artificial Intelligence Division at the Hong Kong Productivity Council. Here we go. Stay with us because uh, in just a moment we're going to be talking about something uh, completely different. 95 years of public service broadcasting. Stay tuned with Hong Kong. Hi, I'm Secretary for Housing, Winnie Ho. Happy birthday to RTHK's 95th anniversary. 95 years of public service broadcasting. Stay tuned with Hong Kong. Now, in the US, the House of Representatives has convened a panel on what they call Unidentified Anomalous Phenomenon, UAPs, known more colloquially as UFOs. You may have seen this in the news. And it's been, well, hearing some rather extraordinary statements. And it's also being seen as the most serious acknowledgement yet that unexplained sightings deserve greater scrutiny at high levels of government. To talk more about this... Uh, We're being joined now on the line by Neil Gould, who's a a Hong Kong-based board member of the Exopolitics Institute and author of uh, Close Encounters of the ADHD Kind. Uh, Neil Gould, uh, good morning to you. Good morning. Uh, So, uh, first of all, uh, for any of our listeners that are not aware, uh, just give us um, a brief uh, background on the Exopolitics Institute. Yeah, basically, um, our function is... um is, is basically education, um, disclosure, advocacy uh, in relation to um, the extraterrestrial phenomena. And, uh, you know, we have educational programs online and uh, we attend conferences. And, of course, uh, all our community members are partly responsible uh, for these hearings. Mm. 
Okay. Uh, and what we've heard in the U.S. is uh, um, uh, statements from um, a former intelligence uh, official talking about uh, uh, a crashed, crashed UFO and non-human remains being found. Um, wh wh what do you think about uh, what's been going on over there? Well, this might, might sound, you know, incredible to, to most people, but, you know, we've been on, a, on about this for the last, I don't know, 15, 20 years. Um, you know, we, we have, we've been in contact with many other um, witnesses from the intelligence services, um, people who have been recruited into these programs, and this is nothing new for us. And, uh, of course, they've um, actually demonized the UFO community um, making fun of us, little green men, etc. So it's been very difficult to make this topic credible and to infuse it into the mainstream. This has been the problem. But this is absolutely genuine. There's no doubt about it. We have several, um, uh, you know, craft stored at uh, S4 and uh, other secure locations. Uh, we have many, many witnesses to these programs. Uh, there's, of course, biologics, uh, bodies, tissue samples, all been available for, for many, many years, but this has all been kept very secret. Uh, so, uh, sorry, uh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, no, I, 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 I want to explore that definitely a, a little bit more, but I, I just want to understand a bit more about the US Congress uh, hearing. What prompted that hearing? I mean, what's the background? Uh, well, the, back, the background of the hearing is disclosure advocacy over the last 15, 20 years. The pressure has built up and built up as more and more whistleblowers have come out. Mm. The initial whistleblowers came out during the disclosure project headed up by Dr. Greer in, in 2002. We had over 400 military witnesses come out and talk about these things, you know, structures on the moon, uh, crash retrievals, bodies, uh, radar um, evidence, uh, radar tapes, uh, evidence uh, of craft, uh, huge craft, and not, uh, not, uh, not from anywhere on this planet. Stuff that can do right-hand turns at, you know, 60, 70,000 miles an hour. Um, this is quite something. Mm. And this, this, of course, this has put a lot of pressure Hmm. Uh, on the internal structures um, of the United States military and associated military-industrial complex. So they can't really keep it too secret. So it's spilling out and spilling out, and people have come out from the inside. They've got consciences. They've got children, grandchildren. We have a world that's heating, overheating, and there are technologies that have been gained from uh, these programs that are able to solve a lot of the problems that we are faced today with regard to propulsion, energy, climate, tremendous amount of technology in there. So uh, what you're saying, in, in other words, uh, uh, you're convinced that uh, there is evidence of extraterrestrial life, but it's being covered up? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's absolutely 100% clear. It's just that it's not been, the information has not been disseminated. There's been something called Pro, which is a counterintelligence program that's been at hand for many, many, many years, and it's shaped the reality of everybody on this planet. You know, my God is better than your God and wars, etc. The Reserve Bank is private, the Council on Foreign Relations, the ridiculing of the UFO group, artificial source shortages, the petrodollar. All these things have been put together to shape the worldview. And, of course, the Fourth Estate, the press, are under their control. So, of course, they, 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 they mock the situation. So this never gets out. And all of a sudden you're hearing it, you think this is something new. But to us, this is old. Mm. Uh, it's very frustrating having to sit through all this and, and, and watch people, you know, get turned off every time you talk about it. But now it, things are changing. And it's now gone before the US Congress. So what were the main highlights that came out of that hearing? 
Well, the main, the main highlights from David Grush, the former intelligence officer, uh, his impeccable credentials. I mean, he's talking about actually knowing, naming all the crash sites. He wants, there's a lot of stuff they couldn't talk about because it's uh, national security issues. So what they requested was this information to be discussed in what's called a SCIF, which is a fortified room securing U.S. secrets. It's like uh, a sensitive compartmented uh, information facility. So even the, the senators were denied access to the SCIFs. But there's much more going to come out in the skiffs about these crash retrievals, about the dates, about the names, how many, uh, where, they, where they actually came down, um, you know, the, the biologics concerned with all this, the, the back engineering. This is all going to come out in, in more detail over the next year. So those were really the, the highlights. And, of course, there was also, um, he alluded to the, the threats of violence and death. Uh, from this rogue group within the military and government uh, for anybody revealing anything about the special access programs and anything about the subject. Mm -hmm. If you got too too close to the bone, uh, you get a knock on the door, a threat, and in some cases in the, in the past, people have been killed. Mm -hmm. so, so if there is uh, alien life and, and uh, alien spacecraft, um, where, where might it be coming from? Well, you know, uh, as Lou Elizondo, one of the insiders, said, from inner space, outer space, and the space in between. Mm. You see, many people don't, have not been taught about this, this subject, so they don't know. They're just thinking, you know, UFOs, oh, that comes from another planet. Okay. In, in some cases, yes, that's, that's absolutely correct, from, you know, Alps and Tauride and out that sort of area. But you've so, got to understand so, so, that, Sorry, that, so let me just interrupt you there, because yeah. according to our understanding of the laws of physics, that, that would hardly be possible, would it? And, and, unfortunately, the laws of physics have to be rewritten, because mm. you're not... Mm. Uh, you're not talking about stuff embedded in quantum mechanics. In other words, the projection from higher dimensions to the third dimension, so wormholes, this kind of stuff, mm -hmm. this is all going to mm -hmm. come out. You know, the Einstein-Rosen bridge, for example, you know, shortening, stretching, and shrinking space. So, you know, it, 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 we, we are still, most of our scientists still have to unlearn and relearn all these physics. Mm -hmm. There's a tremendous amount written on this already, but you've just got to have access to it. Uh, yes. Um, um, so, uh, uh, when you mentioned the inner space, outer space, the space in between, what do you mean by the, the space in between? Well, we're talking about parallel, parallel universes. We're talking about interdimensionality. We're talking about different frequencies. You know, we, we, we're existing on one particular frequency, one particular vibration. You know, if you had a, theoretically a little uh, machine you could sit in and change the vibration, uh, you'd find that you'd move into a different frequency. So, you know, all this life comes from all these different aspects of reality and consciousness. This whole program of UFOs is consciousness-driven. This is a whole new subject of consciousness. Mm. And uh, all the tools that we need, you know, to discuss and to uh, unfold the issues about where they come from, how they travel, because they don't fly, these, these, these particular uh, UFO objects. They move using different physics. They have a completely different relationship to space-time than we do. So, look, I'm not, a, I'm not an expert on, on quantum mechanics and physics, but we have people who are. But, so but, yeah, all, all, I, I, all this will be translated mm, in this, you know. Mm. What, what, one question I've seen asked mm. is uh, if, if there are sort of uh, alien life forms, alien civilizations, and they're advanced enough to be able to uh, appear uh, in our mm. atmosphere, um, uh, how, how come they end up, uh, um, you know, um, uh, crashing? I mean, uh, you know, it yeah, no, no, sounds that's a bit a very, very anomalous. <laughs> yeah. A very, very good question, and there are a few schools of thought. One is 
that, of course, you know, statistically things must crash because there are millions and millions of civilizations out there. And, you know, God knows how many of we We know of about 47 that are visiting the planet. But um, the other aspect of it, it could be because certain extraterrestrials are actually here trying to sort of guide us um, in, in a very sort of passive kind of way. And one of the things they do is they drop off stuff every now and then to try to increase our ability to uh, to to to... to advanced technologically this is one of the theories behind it but you know the actual real reasons for a lot of this stuff we don't actually know but we will you mentioned uh, neil uh, for you are aware that there are 47 species out there how what's the basis for that well we've studied the exophenotypes of all the witness testimony of all the contactees you know going back ages even going back as far as uh, columbus uh, the old ship logs, which are, you know, hundreds of years old before any of the technology that exists today. And we've, we've put all this together and we get different kinds of humanoid species. So we've, as best we can, we have applied these exophenotypes uh, by description to the reported um, visitations and, and descriptions of these humanoids. Mm. And this also, this 47 species also comes from within the crash retrieval program. Sergeant Clifford Stone, who was uh, drafted into the crash retrieval. Unfortunately, I mean, I actually had done some interview work with him, but he's, he actually passed away about six or seven months ago. But he wrote a very interesting book, which is, is available. Mm. Mm. So, so you're talking about earlier uh, eyewitness accounts of, uh, so when you mentioned going back to Columbus days. Um, yeah, what, yeah, yeah. What was, uh, what, what was happening then? What did people see then? Well, there's a guy called Ivan C. Sanderson. Uh, he was a biologist. I mean, you know, he's, um, he, he knew the difference between a whale and something anonymous in the water. And he went through all these ship logs. And they found, you know, reports of, of beings on board and uh, cases where everybody was sort of frozen in one position or cases where people had mysteriously gone completely missing and cases where people reported lights and things coming down in the water, things coming out of the water, very, very much, very, very similar as what we're getting today about these transmedium uh, machines that are uh, being seen by these witnesses at the UFO hearing, Fravor, etc. Mm. Well, coming back to the US Congress hearing, that's now <laughs> ended. What do no, you know? No, it's, it's not ended. Going. This is just oh, the beginning of oh, a whole series. Yeah, it's going to be a long. Uh, yeah, uh, there's yeah. more here. There's more sessions oh, that, that are coming. Going, this is going to come out. This is going to make people have to relearn and go back to school. Yes, there's a whole new world coming. I was going to say, what's next? Um, I, I hadn't realised there were more hearings uh, in in the pipeline. Oh, they going they going to pass more laws because a lot of the congressmen have been denied access to a lot of the information. And that's illegal. There are a lot of right. rogue elements in the government and military industrial complex. And these people are going to be pulled up to account. And a lot of stuff is going to be disclosed. A lot of stuff will still be kept hidden. I mean, you know, there's only so far that we can disclose, you know, if you look at this as a curve uh, before you start having uh, um, uh, on ontological shock in people, you know, in okay. other words. So there's more to come. Yeah, fascinating. Uh, uh, yeah, we'll yeah. see what uh, see what more comes out. All right, thanks yeah. very much for joining us. Uh, Neil Gould there, uh, Hong Kong-based uh, member of the Exopolitics uh, Institute. And uh, thanks to our listeners. Um, and thanks very much to you, Rainbow. Thank you. And to our producer, Raphael. Um, stay with us because uh, coming up we have uh, uh, news followed by Brunch with Noreen.